Hey, special educators, I'm Jennifer from Positively Learning. Welcome to the Special Educators Resource Room. If you're like me, you're always looking for ways to save time and streamline your work. That's why this podcast was created to give you the systems and solutions you need to get your time back. Tune in for tips, tricks, and tools that will help you manage your workload and make the most of your time. Whether you're brand new or experienced, all are welcome in the Special Educators Resource Room. Hey, Special Educators, it's Jennifer. Thanks for joining me for this new episode. We're going to be talking all about replacement behaviors. Is that a phrase you're familiar with? Whether it is a phrase that you use in conversation or not, I bet it's something you're already doing. Because as special educators, we tend to figure out what works and what doesn't fairly quickly. Let's start off with some definitions. First off, let's define the term behavior. As an educator, maybe you saw this podcast topic and you thought, perfect, I could use some fresh classroom management strategies because there are some behaviors that are not working for us. And that makes sense. But when we define the word behavior, It's technically not good or bad. It's simply an action. It is a action that can be shaped, it can be reinforced, and it also can be discouraged. So we have behaviors or actions all around us, and some are working for us and some not so much, but most behaviors we're completely unaware of. So now let's define replacement behavior. A replacement behavior is an action, but this action is absolutely incompatible with a target behavior that we'd like to extinguish. So the replacement behavior is a quote unquote new behavior. And it's ta- when it's taking place, the old behavior cannot exist. They cannot coexist with each other. Before we continue this conversation on why replacement behaviors are so important, I want to stop here and mention I have a free download for you all about replacement behaviors. It is a cheat sheet. So click on over to the show notes to grab your own copy. The cheat sheet has a list of some common disruptive behaviors we may be experiencing in the classroom and examples of replacement behaviors for each one. So be sure to click on over. All right, so why are replacement behaviors so important? They're so important because replacement behaviors provide an appropriate way to reduce those problem behaviors and increase positive ones. So when those inappropriate behaviors are replaced with more acceptable choices, it can lead to a decrease in overall classroom disruptions. So these replacement behaviors can help our students learn new social skills and appropriate ways to behave in a variety of settings. Okay, so replacement behavior sounds super effective. Our work is done here, right? Well, one of my main goals with this podcast is to support you as a special educator at your school. So I want to address some pushback or some misconceptions that you may encounter and arm you with knowledge, whether you're having an informal conversation in the hallway or you're sitting at the meeting table. One of the major pushbacks that you may experience is coming from a source of frustration. You may be questioned, why? Why would we want to replace this behavior? The student should simply stop doing it. 
And of course, we can understand the frustration both from the teacher, from the student, and from anyone involved. But we also can reflect on the last time we may have told someone to stop doing that. And how effective was that? Or at least long term. We can help explain that behavior is communication. There is a function to this behavior. Using examples of students yelling out in class or putting hands on a classmate, we can determine what is that student's need. Are they seeking attention? Are they feeling frustrated? Are there other social needs they're trying to have met? Then we can talk about how we can meet these needs. And that's where replacement behaviors come in. I think it's important to note and to communicate that as we're introducing these new replacement behaviors, that they can serve as a transition. Think of it almost like a bridge, and they may possibly be able to be faded out eventually. All right, I love to learn and teach with examples, and I have an example to share. When I had to put a replacement behavior in for pretty much all of my students on my caseload. As a special educator at your school, you may have found yourself in a similar situation. Now, our school was looking to change the expectations of hallway behavior. So as a school, we were reviewing the expectations and deciding on some changes. Previously, we had some pretty strict rules. Students were to walk silently as they moved from point A to point B, whether they were leaving the resource room or they were going into lunch or just moving classrooms. And we expected zero noise, which is silence. And for our younger students, I think we had them walk with their fingers to their lips, like the shh gesture, or maybe it was just hands by their side. But as a staff, many people were feeling really uncomfortable that we were having such strict and silent single file lines. They thought a lot of um, students were getting reprimanded when we were asking them to do something that wasn't like supernatural for them. And they just weren't comfortable with it. And we wanted to relax the expectations as a school, trust that our students could move from classroom to classroom with the expectation just to stay quiet and that they would be able to do this. (laughs) So, um, and I'm not laughing because it's funny. I had a lot of mixed emotions. I thought, yeah, that sounds great. But in reality, I didn't know how this was going to work. And fast forward a few months and it was just a hot mess. It was complete chaos. And my students were all about it. It was like rugby or football. Um, There were races, lots of noise. I always liked to keep my resource room door open. And I found that like I could barely hear my students because (laughs) it was so loud. And I knew that I did not want students in my caseload getting into some kind of trouble. And so I had to pick the highest priority action that I wanted to solve and find a replacement behavior. And for us, it was definitely safety as far as putting hands on each other. My students were like playing leapfrog and jumping and just all sorts of things. So I had to come up with a replacement behavior to tackle that highest priority first. When deciding on a replacement behavior, I like to take a less is more approach. I want to see what's the least amount of support I can provide my students while still getting the desired result. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to be providing a ton of support, but I just want to be careful that it's not above and beyond or anything extra than what they need, especially because eventually I'd love to 
to fade out these supports. I also want to make sure that this replacement behavior is not solely dependent on me being with my students. Yes, it's most likely going to be me with my students majority of the time, but what if I'm in a meeting? What are they going to do? I have seen some very creative behavior incentive plans that are really effective as long as a specific individual educator is there. And I don't want my students to be left hanging if we're not there. So in this case, I wanted my students' hands to be busy. If they had busy hands, then they most likely would not be touching other people. And that would eliminate me having to say like, stop touching people. Instead, I could give them a direction of what their hands should be doing. So that could look like carrying items. But of course, I want to think ahead. Are they always going to be carrying items? What if it's a pencil? Was that going to make it better or worse if they're touching other people with pencils? It'd be great if my students could always carry notebooks or binders or a task box. But what about when they're going outside to recess? Do I really want them carrying those things? So it's something I need to definitely think about. But I like the idea of busy hands. What else could they do? Well, maybe a replacement behavior would be to put their hands in their pockets. Something like that. That's the idea of thinking about a behavior that cannot coexist with the original target behavior, which was putting hands on others. All right, so now, does that mean my students would have to keep their hands in their pockets or carry something all school year long? It's up to our consistency, and it's also up to our students' progress. I already started looking ahead at how this replacement behavior could eventually be faded. The end goal was for my students to walk safely in the hall with their peers with the least amount of support. So the replacement behavior that I came up with was like a bridge. It's a bridge between the behavior we want to eliminate and the behavior we want our students to exhibit. As you are listening to my example, I hope you were thinking about your own school setting. What replacement behaviors would you like to try out? You could use them for the whole group, like I did for the hallway, or maybe it's with an individual student. You could introduce the behavior, model it, provide an opportunity for a student to experience and practice it, and then give them that positive feedback. It could even be added to a behavior intervention plan. If you're looking for some more examples of replacement behaviors for common classroom disruptions, be sure to click on over to the show notes and grab that free cheat sheet. I can't wait to hear what you think, and I'll see you next time in the Special Educators Resource Room. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'm dying to ask, what'd you think? Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. You can find the show notes and links for everything mentioned in this episode at PositivelyLearningBlog.com. See you next week for more special education solutions.